Luke chapter 10. If you're visiting with us tonight, I'd invite you to be here on Sunday morning. Our pastor, Pastor Andrews, will be back in town preaching to us. And so um, I'll, I'll say it like this. Don't judge our church based on my preaching tonight and come back and hear some good preaching. Um, I was joking with him uh, earlier this past week and uh, said it's been a little while since, since I've preached and I've never been very good at it, but um, I've had to remember to see if I even remembered how to do it. And it's uh, been a few months since I was able to preach. I always enjoy the opportunity to get behind the pulpit and, and deliver a message. And so we'll be in Luke chapter number 10 tonight, Luke chapter number 10. And I uh, want to bring to you a message, and um, I'm going to take quite a bit of time in um, just opening, and then we'll jump into just a few points. I promise I won't be very long this evening, very long is relative. Luke chapter number 10, we'll start reading in verse number 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among the thieves, among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him, in, him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Go and do thou likewise. Uh, tonight we obviously read um, probably the most famous parable in Scripture of the Good Samaritan. And um, there's many messages that have been preached on it. We could look at it from uh, the case of the priest and the Levite uh, or even just the Samaritan itself. And, I, I, you know, I understand that uh, we, we look at this and we, and, and we automatically go, I, okay, I know, I know what you're going to preach on, Brother Nate. You're going to preach on, uh, on, on, on making sure uh, that, that we're not like the priest and the Levite. And, and we're going to make sure that, that we're like the Samaritan. And, and you're right. That is what I'm going to preach on. Got it, and uh, it's here. And uh, but I want to take it from from this perspective. We know in the world that we live in, uh, we live in a very divisive world. And more and more, it, it, you don't have to look very hard uh, to realize that the devil wants nothing more than to continue to divide us. He does. 
He wants to divide us as a, uh, as a people. He wants to, to divide us as a nation. Uh, he wants to even divide us in the midst of our own churches. Uh, he loves, he, the devil loves nothing more than division. He loves nothing more than division. And, and the devil loves nothing more uh, than for the Christian uh, to lose focus on what he's actually supposed to be fighting for and then turn his fight to something that is really insignificant. And, 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 and look, I, I, I am totally on board uh, with, with, with many of you this evening. Um, I understand that, that there are some things uh, in our world that should be called out and, and, and we, should, we should stand up and speak to them. And um, I'm going to give you the title of the message here in a minute, but I, I want to make sure that you and I are on the same page first before I do. I, I, I want you to know that, that I am all for separation, okay? I am. I am all for separation, biblical separation. I am all for it. I believe the Bible speaks to biblical separation. I am all for living holy. I am all for holiness. And I am all for uh, being a peculiar people. That doesn't mean being a weird people, but I'm all for being a peculiar people. The Bible is very clear that we are to be a separated people, uh, that we are to be a holy people, that we are to be a peculiar people, okay? I, I, I need you to understand that, that I believe those things. But then I want to bring you a message on this. Compassion versus cancel culture. Compassion versus cancel culture. Uh, we look at those words and we, 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 we identify that cancel culture immediately and say, Brother, now I know what you're going to preach on. You're going to preach about, uh, uh, about those uh, liberals and the leftists and all these particular things and the things that they're canceling in our society. No, you got that one wrong. That's not what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on the Christian having compassion Verse having a cancel culture. See, I already I, I set the stage. I told you. Listen to me very clearly. I am for separation. I am biblical separation. I am for four standards. I am for holy living. I am for holiness. I am for I am for uh, come out come out from among them and be separate. I am for uh, living a, a a peculiar life. I am for uh, uh, standing up behind this pulpit and preaching against sin. I am for labeling those that 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 God says those things that God says is evil and standing up and saying we as Christians uh, should have no part in it and, and we as Christians should not take place in things such as alcohol and, 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 and lustful living and those particular things I, I, and, I will, uh, I, and I will stand up here with you I will go out to the streets with you and, and I will say amen and, and I, I will uh, stand in front of the abortion clinic with you and say abortion is, is wrong abortion is ungodly Abor abortion is, 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 is evil. I will stand in front of uh, the local Budweiser plant and, and I will pick it with you and say alcohol, alcoholism is, is from the devil and, and whosoever is deceived by, their, by that stuff is not wise is what the Bible says. I, 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 will, uh, I will vote against the, the marijuana le legislations. I will do all those things and I will tell you that, that I am for all that. Okay? So we set the stage very good. But what I'm not for is the Christian having that attitude of a cancel culture? I'll explain that to you tonight. Let's pray and then we'll jump in, into it. Lord, thank you so much for everything you do for us, Lord. I, I ask that you would uh, be with us all this evening, Lord, that you would uh, be with me as I preach your word. Lord, it's not my message, it's yours. Lord, I ask that I would say only the things that you would have me to say and nothing more, nothing less. Lord, I pray uh, through the preaching of your word that very simply that we would be a people of compassion. 
Lord, oftentimes the devil uh, creeps in and wants to cause division, wants to divide us, wants us to, to stir up hate in our heart. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, be with the message tonight and for us to be compassionate Christians. Lord, we love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we find, once again, this very familiar parable in Scripture. And, and, and we know it. Here's this picture uh, of, of this man, and he is on a, on a journey. Uh, he, he's going from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, a very dangerous road that was traveled. And the Bible says that he fell among the thieves, and, 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 and they had uh, beaten him, and they stripped him of his raiment, and they left him for dead. We know that part of the, the, the Scripture here. We see the three different people that had the opportunity uh, to minister unto him. We, we first see the, the priest that, that walks by, and, and, and he notices uh, the, the person laying there. And, and we see this person, and, and he leaves. And we see the Levite that walks by, and he as well notices it and, and leaves. And then we see this Samaritan that Jesus, after he gives this parable, asks the lawyer, he says, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor Unto him that fell among the thieves. And then he answered the question, says, and he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Go and do thou likewise. What do you believe Jesus is saying unto this, this lawyer? He says, He's saying, Go and be compassionate. Go and be like this one, this Samaritan uh, person. Go and be like him. Be compassionate. Uh, he, he didn't say, look, he just asked him in the previous verses, and, 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 he, and he tells him, he says, he said to him, thou hast answered right. This do and shall live. And he says, what did he answer right? And he said, answering them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Right? He asked Jesus, in, in, uh, of, of, you know, and, and Jesus says, yeah, you answered well. Then he, then he gives him this parable. And at the end he says, okay, who is it in this parable that we should be like? Kind of an easy question to answer. You know, it, it's, uh, um, sometimes we, it's, it's put right in front of us. And, and I think Jesus maybe had a little bit of sarcasm in why, as he's asking this. Who do you think you should be like here? Be like the person that just walked by him. Why not? He's a priest. He, he's religious. He's holy. No doubt he had it all together in his own life. Maybe we should just be like this person. Or be like this Lev Levite. Who, who was known for his standard of holiness. And, and those things. Once again, I am for holiness. And be like this so that you can identify as a Levite. But obviously he answers him, uh, th this one, the one that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. And I think we all look at, at, at this particular scripture and, and, and we see it and, and we say, um, you know, that obviously this doesn't speak well to a religious organization. And, uh, it, and look, and, and the world uses this. And, and I understand how the devil uses this. And the world uses this particular passage of scripture. And, and, it, and it really does its, he does its, his best to identify each and every uh, organized religion, including uh, church, maybe even including our church, to, to pit the world against us and say, you know, don't, don't be like that. You don't have to do, uh, to do those things. You don't have to belong to a church. And I'll, I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm not for that you should belong to a good bible believing church and you should once again be separate and you should be peculiar and you should be holy 
Hope not to have to say that again. Okay, we all believe that. But in the midst of all those things, you should also be compassionate. I titled that message, Compassion Versus Cancel Culture. I like to use that word, versus. Why do you think I like to use that word, versus? It means there's a competition. It means that there's a battle. It means that there has to be a winner and a loser. Um, the, the, the PCC kids were here this past Sunday, and I happened to uh, shoot up to uh, Children's Church, and um, I forget what game they were playing, and for like, I don't remember exactly what game they were playing, and, and uh, he said something like, oh, uh, we'll just give you the win, or something of that nature, and, and I said from the back row, because my girls were in there, I don't want them to get the wrong idea, I said, no, no, we don't let anybody win here. We compete, okay, and, and uh, there, there are just no, you know, not, everybody's not a winner, okay, there is a winner and a loser, but that word versus signifies a battle, and can I tell you, in, in, in our climate today, and, and in the year that we live in, 2021, that, that it is truly a battle for a Christian to live one of these two types of lifestyles? A lifestyle of compassion versus a lifestyle of, of canceling everything? It is. Say, but Nate, should we not cancel alcohol? Absolutely. Should we not cancel, and, and should, should we not preach against it? Absolutely, we should preach against sin. Well, let me tell you where we should practice this compassion compared to practicing cancel culture. First, is his compassion, this man, this good Samaritan, his compassion became his identity. His compassion became his identity. I want you to think with me for just a minute. The Jews hated the Samaritans. I mean, they, they refer to them as, as, as dogs, as second-rate citizens, as, as all these particular things. And, and before this portion of Scripture, um, anywhere else in, in Scripture uh, uh, leading up to this point, outside of John chapter number 4, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, the Samaritans were never spoken very highly of. And, and, and that's what they were known for. But in this, just these few verses, the entire word Samaritan changed. Think about that. It changed from nothing worse than a dog to here. What do we think about when we say Samaritan now? What do we think about when we say the good Samaritan now? I hear that word Samaritan, I actually think of good things. You say, well, Brother Nate, there's still several bad things in regards to Samar Samaria and those particular things, sure. But the first thing that pops into my head isn't that. It's that his compassion uh, became his identity. It became the identity of, of these people. It became a, a, a good thing to be a Samaritan. A good Samaritan. I was looking for different uh, companies that, that used the word Samaritan. And you know, not one of them have a bad connotation. Not a single one of them. It became a good thing to be known as a Samaritan. You watch the news, and, and every so often you'll see a feel-good story on the news. Not very often, but every so often. And uh, you'll see a feel-good story on the news. You say, say how, how did that happen? And they say, well, a good Samaritan came and helped this person. Like, well, there it is. Good Samaritan. One action changed the discourse of how someone identified the word as Samaritan. Tell you, sometimes that happens rather swiftly. 
I, was, I, I told this story, I think, in school not too long ago. Um, we, my, my family and I moved to Louisiana when I was 10, or I can't remember how old, and uh, somewhere around there, 8, 9, 10. And uh, we went to public school at the time. And uh, we lived right down the road from the First Baptist Church of Jennings. Uh, Southern Baptist Church wasn't the church we went to, but that was where our bus pickup was. Right there at the, the other side of uh, First Baptist Church of Jennings. And Mr. Landry was the bus driver, and he would come and pick us up every day right there, me and my little brother, Aaron. He's the one that was just here. And uh, um, Aaron sometimes had an issue. Aaron, uh, for whatever reason, would find himself uh, just instigating a fight. Just happened. And, and I'm not saying that he's at fault here, okay? I'm sure he'll, he'll watch, or my mom's watching, probably said, that's not how it happened. And... Uh, but he just had that issue. And uh, to be honest, uh, sometimes he was instigating with me. In fact, uh, it felt like for five years, every day, he was instigating with me. And uh, eventually we became friends again. Um, not today, but eventually we did. And, uh, um, but no, he, uh, and th there was this kid that came down. They lived um, right up a little bit of a hill, right behind the First Baptist Church. They lived in the first house there. And this boy had come down. And uh, I, I think it was our second year that we lived there. And it seemed like every single day, Brother Jim, every day, this boy would come down and he would just start picking on Aaron and picking on Aaron and picking on Aaron. And, uh, um, you know, at first, you know, somebody's just, it's just words. And so, you know, it's not, it's not that big a deal. And uh, uh, then one day, uh, we were actually almost home to uh, the bus drop there at First Baptist Church of Jennings. And he actually grabbed him by the collar. You know, I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I even wore pink tie tonight, okay? And, uh, um, but he, he's, he grabbed him by the collar, and uh, we're getting off the bus, and uh, we're there, and, and finally, I thought to myself, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of it. There's no chance I'm going to get in trouble with my parents if I just hit them one time. There's no chance. In fact, I might even get a high five from my dad. My mom might go take me for ice cream. And so, sure enough, I said, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not in, into these things. Okay, I, I do like this graph a little bit, okay? And I'm one of four boys. And, uh, um, and so, um, I grabbed him by the collar. And I hit him in his left eye. And I connected good. I mean, I was a good one, Brother Jim. I'm talking about his eyes swole up bad. And his mom, and it feels kind of like that door up there in the balcony, is at the door yelling at me and my brother. She doesn't think anything good of us. Just those Harris boys. Probably thought we were at fault. So we hurried home. He went back to his house. We got to our house, told my mom, and said, Mom, I just want to be truthful with you. That neighbor boy up the road, I hit him. I hit him good. And, of course, my mom, being the compassionate lady she is, probably went something like, What? I, and Aaron, he told the truth and what was happening and I said look 
uh, I don't even remember their last names. I said, Mrs. So-and-so, she is livid. She was yelling at us from the, her front porch. And uh, she, she, my mom would verify this story. Like I said, she's probably watching. She'll give a thumbs up or something. This, and she was mad. I said, she was yelling at us and all these different things. And so you know what happened? My mom got mad. And so me and my mom and my brother, we started walking to that lady's house. I thought, oh boy, my mom shouldn't give the mom a black eye now. We're going to be two for two. And so we walk up there, and uh, she comes outside, and, and uh, she was mad. And, and, and I just, I, I, you know, sometimes in the midst of a confrontation, it's just so exciting. You're not really sure what's going on. And she came out, and I'm, my mom, I'm sure, said something to her about yelling or whatnot. And they started talking. And wouldn't you believe that at the end of that, that that mom that lived up on the road, that whose son had a black eye, she came down to me, and I thought, oh, man, my mom has given her permission. She's going to slap me. She's going to whip me. She's going to do something. She looked at me and said, thank you. For hitting my son. I thought, what? She said, I didn't realize that he had been a bully. I bet he'll stop being a bully now. And, you know, lo and behold, I found out two things. Hey, you punch somebody in the eye, their mom might thank you. Actually, I later learned that if you punch somebody in the eye, sometimes they punch back and they break your nose. That really hurts. And, and, uh, um, and, and uh, but I, he, she said, thank you. And actually, me and, and, and my brother and that boy, we got along from that point forward. And, and from one little standpoint, her whole, uh, my whole identity with that lady changed. Before, when she saw what was taking place at, at the beginning, man, I hate this thing when it comes apart and it's come apart, brother. Brother Bo, I'm going to go to this here. It's all tangled up here, all right? We good? I'm just going to drop this back here, and hopefully it doesn't mess with me anymore. And, uh, and her whole identification of me had changed. It went from me being the bully, me being the bad guy, me being this person, to, hey, thank you. One action. I'll tell you that long story to say that this one action from this Samaritan, it became his identity. It became uh, what he was known for, his compassion. I struggle sometimes when I think about nowadays what the church is known for. What the church is known for. What a Christian is known for. Now, we, we have a perception of what we think we're known for. We have a perception of, uh, of what we want to be known for. But what we're really known for. I hope that Central always stays a, a place that is known for compassion. That is known for a love of people. We say, what is that compassion? What will compassion do regards to it being our, our identity is that people will know that we see the need of others and we're willing to help and meet those needs. 
You see, uh, when this Samaritan saw that, 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 that man laying there and in his condition, all he said was, you know what? Uh, I have compassion. I, you know, I don't even know this person. I don't know what he's about. He's on this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And I don't have the cordless I have to say here. And this will be difficult for me to stand right here. And uh, um, in fact, can you give me that right there? Perfect. We're still on. All right. We'll eventually get it. They say, what did he become known as? He became known as this person of compassion because he looked and he saw the condition and he met the condition. He didn't think, well, this person was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and was on this road that was known for, for, for criminal activity and was known for, for, for its, the, the, the places that, that people wouldn't want to go. He didn't say, oh, well, he probably was doing bad things, so I'm not going to go down and help him. He didn't say, oh, well, he probably deserved it, and so I'm not going to go down and help him. He looked and he had compassion. His compassion drove him to say, you know what? I'm going to meet his need. He didn't say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid uh, uh, of someone seeing me with this person down in the ditch. See, this, this is really the gist of the message tonight, and I'm going to ramble a little bit in the, in the midst of it. Is that we have become so divisive in our country. And we as Christians have become so divisive in our way of life, that we're no longer willing to, 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 to reach out to help people who simply have a different, uh, and by the way, I'm, we can even say a wrong way of life. I, I, somewhere along the way, we, we, we just think we can go out and find perfect people to fill a perfect church. And I looked around and say, why are churches dying? Would people agree with me, maybe not at Central, but that around our country today that churches are simply dying? Every day you see, people, uh, you see churches that are closing their doors. I get a, I, uh, an email of churches needing pastors or churches joining another church simply because they're just dying. You say, what is it? Sometimes circumstances. I think a lot of times it's simply a lack of compassion. I learned something really early on when I was starting my church uh, that, you know, I, I, I had the privilege of growing up in church. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed beyond all measure because of, 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 of the testimony that the Lord has allowed me to have and, and not having to, to live in sin and those particular things. Uh, but I learned very quickly that not every church was as established and then if I was going to go out and win them in, well, you know what? I had to go out and win them. I know that's really deep. To win them in, you got to win them. Say, how do you win them? Oh, I know how I'm going to win them, Brother Nate. I'm going to go out and, uh, and I'm going to be rude with my truth. Oh, I, I, wait, wait, wait. I know how I'm going to win them. I, I got it right here. I'm going to win them by posting something uh, that calls them morons on social media. Now, that's how I'm going to win them. I know that's going to do the job. Oh, I know how I'm going to win them. I'm going to be so divisive 
When I talk about the Lord, look, I get it. We get mad about things sometimes. We get mad about who's sitting in the White House. We get mad about those things. But can I tell you something? You can boo me. You can boat me out tomorrow, I guess, if you want to. And uh, right, Pastor Andrew's letter say, you can fire Brother Nate. In just a couple weeks, he's taught against SEC football in Sunday school, and now he's preaching tonight. Those in Sunday school would get that, okay. But we, we see that say, but you know what? We get so mad about what the left and the liberals are doing but yet we're not willing to go give them the truth. You say, that is the compassion versus the cancel culture. We look at it and say, well, the only people that I'm ever going to, to go and talk to, and, and look, I, 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 I would be lying if I didn't say it was the same for me. We were out passing out tracts for some of the, the, uh, the, the, the special events that we had. We were out passing out tracts for Easter, and uh, um, you see a sticker on the back of a car, and it says um, Biden-Harris, and that's no, of no relation to me. And, and you say, you know what? I, I'm not going to even talk to that person. And then we wonder why they make the decisions that they do. It's because they're lost. They don't know no better. And therefore, we as Christians have, instead of practicing compassion and explaining to them God's word and explaining to them that Jesus died and, lo and loves them and he died for them because he loves them and, and, and explaining to, to them in a way that wins them and that compels them. I didn't say that we change how we live. I did not say not be holy. I did not say not be separated. I did not say lower our standards. I did not say any of those things. Do not misconstrue uh, what I'm saying here tonight. But what I am saying is instead of practicing cancel culture on the lost is that we're supposed to practice compassion on them. Hey, listen, the devil would love nothing more for you to cancel everybody that's lost tonight. But aren't you glad that you weren't canceled? See, that's what the devil wants. The devil has been working overtime to stir up division in our country. And that division has leaked into Christianity. Christians divided against Christians. The saved not willing to reach out to the lost. You say, here was this Samaritan. He was known as the, the ungodly. And yet, in this one passage of scripture, everything changes for his identity. He then becomes identified as the one that Jesus says, go and do that likewise. Go and be like him. And look, I, I, I love hearing all sorts of types of testimonies. Uh, my favorite testimony is the person um, that, that uh, is for the, the child um, that grows up in church and, and never uh, uh, goes away from the Lord and those things. I believe that is the best type of testimony. Um, young people, you don't have to go out into the world to get a bad testimony in order to have a good one, okay? You don't have to do that. But I also love to hear the other testimonies too. I love to hear the testimony uh, of the person that, that was saved in a prison ministry. Our church in Nebraska um, 
had a man come up to me after Sunday school one day or right before Sunday school. And he said, Pastor, I, I invited this group of guys to church today, and I think they're going to be here. And I was like, great. That's awesome. And he goes, well, um, they ride motorcycles. I was like, and? He goes, well, they're part of a, a motorcycle group. I said, okay. And, and he said, well, is that okay? I said, he can ride a unicycle to church. I don't care. Ride a horse. We'll put a, tie, a, a post out there you can tie it up to. He said, well, you know, uh, you know, they're motorcycle guys. It's like, okay, they're motorcycle guys. We, we, we got it. Sure enough, about uh, uh, 1040, just wrapping up Sunday school, I felt the rumble beneath my feet. Felt like I was riding one. And walked these six people to our church. And I, like, I, I love everybody that was at our church. But those six people that were labeled as these bikers, oh man, they, they changed the spirit in our church. Talking about compassion. Uh, Brother Raleigh, his wife, Miss Donna, to me, she rode the nicest of the Harleys, kind of a pearl color with an aqua. It was beautiful, beautiful bike. She rode it in the church every Sunday. The sweetest lady you'll ever meet. Love the Lord. Willing to tell people about the Lord. Have it all together? No, I don't have it all together. We had a, our version of a fifth Sunday, one Sunday, and we had lunch, and afterwards had testimony service, and Brother Raleigh got up, and he was about what you would expect from a, when somebody says a biker man, about six foot five, big burly, and uh, probably tangled with anybody. And he said, I'd like to give my testimony. And as a pastor, you're always like, oh, Okay, prepared for it. Started to give his testimony. Was saved in prison from a prison ministry. And really his testimony was this. I'm glad the Lord didn't cancel me when really I had canceled him from my life. See, I believe we miss a whole group of people that we could win and let the church bring them in. Ain't, don't we sing that song? And minister to them. And guess what? Some of those attitudes and some of those things that we want to cancel in regards to their, their lifestyle, you know what happens? The Lord takes effect. And they begin to change. Look, I know what some of you thought earlier. Brother AJ saying, oh, we're going to have a reformer's unanimous ministry in our church. Probably thought, oh, I don't want those people around. I'm speaking very freely. It's a Wednesday night Bible study, okay? Say, oh, you know, Brother AJ, don't you know the type of people that that's going to bring on property? I mean, it's the type of people that would wear a light blue seersucker suit jacket. No. Say, what is Pastor Andrews thinking having a reformer's unanimous on property? 
Doesn't he know what type of people are going to be on this property? Yeah, he does. Sometimes there'll be lost people needing a Savior. Sometimes it'll be a fallen saint needing to fix his life. And it'll be up to our church, by the way, you, to either have compassion or to practice a cancel culture. This is what happens in our churches so often. We say, we go out there and we, and we see that person living in a lifestyle that is no doubt sin and I'm not calling it anything else than sin. And we condemn them and we should, we should condemn sin. But then they come in and it's like the Red Sea parted. And instead of people having compassion on them in the church, saying, hey, sit with me. Hey, can I do anything for you? Hey, here's my phone number. If you need anything, reach out to me. Instead of trying to minister, we then say, don't want nothing to do with that person. He's got sin written all over him. Sure. Once again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying sin. But you'll, you personally, and our church as a whole, our identity will either be that. It'll be one of compassion, being a compassionate church. Or a church that isn't compassionate at all. See, this was the identity of this man. He didn't just pass on. He helped that person in need. He made himself available to somebody that, and look, I think sometimes we simply miss this. Uh, we miss the fact that that person was down in a ditch, that that person was, was, was unclothed, that he was dirty, that he was beaten, and that he was bloodied. That Samaritan didn't walk by and say, hey, if you could get to my horse, I'll help you. He wasn't capable of it. You see, that's what compassion is. We look at somebody that's incapable of being what they're supposed to, and then we, we share with them compassion, we share with them the love of Christ, and, and they get saved, and, and then we continue to, to preach to them the word, and, and they do that, and then they grow to where they can. But how are they gonna do that? Have you ever read the portion of scripture where Jesus is healing all the people on top of the mountain? And you ever think that there was blind people there? That there was lame people there? That there were people that probably couldn't walk? There were people that were sick? And yet here Jesus is healing them on the mountain. I have a question for you. How did those people get on the mountain? Somebody had compassion. Somebody was willing to say, you know what? Let me help you up the mountain. Let me be somebody that has compassion. Not only was his compassion, uh, not only did it uh, uh, become his identity, but it also began immediately. It began immediately. See, I, I, I am not for, I said, you can, you can cancel me tonight, that's fine. That's fine. People say, well, 
I'll help that person, but uh, we're going to have to take a wait-and-see approach first. Say, well, you know, um, yeah, that person, they've come into our church, and by the way, somebody comes into our church, they've been saved and baptized, they want to join our church, and say, well, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach, and uh, before I befriend them, before I uh, strive to minister to them, they have to be faithful for uh, three to five months before I begin any sort of uh, ministering to that person. Did that sound condescending enough? And then that person falls away, and we're like, see, told you so. But what did you do to minister to them to help them not fall away? Look, I, I, I'm just talking tonight. I'm not even sure you can call it preaching. I'm okay if you don't. But I want our church, I want Central to be known as that church that is compassionate, that, that wants to help people, uh, that reaches out. You know, I had two guys in our Sunday school class from the military this past week. And, and, and then uh, we had Brother Michael, he's looking at, in regards to getting on some college campuses and, and, and these people where you think, you know, uh, military people are hard to reach and sometimes, and, you know, they're only here for a particular amount of time. Or college students, they're hard to reach. Um, you know, they're all into this, the social, social justice and, and, and how are we ever going to reach our young people today? Uh, they, they all just, and, and, and we see all those things and we say, you know, we just give up. And honestly, that's what I think the cancel culture in regards to Christianity is all about. It's just a bunch of quitter Christians. It's like, you know what, I don't want to put in the work. You know why? Because it was work for this good Samaritan to help this person out. It was work. He was going to get some blood on him. I doubt he was carrying rubber gloves with him. It was going to take some, 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 uh, a, a portion of him physically. He was going to be tired. He was going to be inconvenienced. He was going to do that, but yet he didn't consider those things. He considered what needed to be done, and he did it immediately. See, I think that's the mark of true compassion. I think when we have to put it on the scale and, you know, we have our, you know, waiter system here and like, okay, I'm going to help this person. And um, we have, you know, little uh, marbles like, okay, well, it shouldn't help me if I here and you know, it goes one way. And then, well, you know, might not help me here. And then it, as long as it benefits us, I'm going to have compassion. That's not compassion at all. You say, well, you know, I, we only want a certain type of p person in, in our church, and it's the person that is influential. It's the person that can help out the budget. It's the person that's that. You know, maybe it's not that bus kid that rides on Sunday morning. And therefore... I just don't really want to get my hands dirty in it. By the way, that was a commercial for if you're looking for a place to serve, the bus ministry is hiring. The going rate is $0 per Sunday. But a lifetime of eternal blessings in heaven. He shouldn't have left town. He, 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 you got me. Say, look, that, that is a place to serve. Serving immediately. Once again, not sometimes. 
sometimes we, we wait for the opportunity to serve. It's like, okay, I'm not going to minister, not going to minister, not going to minister. Oh, wait, Pastor Andrews is coming down the hallway. Let me find somebody to minister to so that he can notice me minister. Say, is that compassion? Nah, not even in the least bit. That's self-serving. You know, I, I, I'm willing to go out on a limb here to say that if there was a bunch of people around when the uh, Levite passed by, for maybe him to get patted on the back, maybe he would have helped. Somebody would have noticed it. Compassion is serving immediately, even when it goes unnoticed. Even when you're not sure what the outcome is going to be. I'm so grateful. Please don't get me wrong. I am so grateful for the saints of our church that have done the work for year after year after year after year after year. I am so thankful for you. You sit in these pews. We have a church that we have tonight because of, of your faithfulness. Okay? I'm thankful for you. I want you to know that. And I believe that people that serve that way served sometimes without considering that the outcome might not go their way. But let's be honest. Those that, of you that have served that long, can you raise your hand and say, you've had your fair share of losses too? You have. You've been teaching a Sunday school class for any period of time? And you poured your heart and soul to some person that you know really needed it. And you did it out of nothing more than love for them and wanting to obey the Lord and serving him. And yet they still quit. And yet they still got their life in a mess. And you counted the loss, but you kept serving. But in the midst of that, there's a generation that saw all the losses. Or maybe there was some along the way that had the losses and said, I just can't handle losing. I can't handle the disappointment of serving the Lord. We started our church in 2015, felt like we restarted it in 2016. And then we restarted it again in probably 2017. Why? <laughs> Kept the same name. We weren't really restarting. But the Lord would grow us, and then people would move. And we wanted to stay in Nebraska. Yeah. And the Lord would grow us, and people would move. And in the midst of that, there would be people that would come, and then they would fall back into sin. It's depressing. <laughs> And yet, at the end, say, you know what? The Lord was doing the work. The devil would love nothing more for me to dwell on. You know what? What's the outcome going to be? And yes, if you serve the Lord for any length of time, there are faces that you could think of right now when I said the word loss that popped up into your memory of somebody that strayed away. And it's the reason you say, you know what? I just can't do that anymore. There's a bunch of pastors that are quitters out in this country. Simply, they just say, well, I just can't deal with the loss anymore. 
I can't deal with pouring my heart and soul and everything that I have only for that person to still go the way that they did. See, this Samaritan, he did it immediately, not even considering he might die anyways. See, that's what compassion is. It's not considering the outcome other than the outcome of trying to help that person. And then lastly, and I'll be done, and you can go home and take your nap instead of in church. Verse number 35 says, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Lastly, his compassion bonded indefinitely. It was indefinite. It was always there. He says, you know what? Look, I'm going to give you two pence. It's what I have. It's actually probably about half of my weekly pay, maybe a little less. And it is a lot for me to have to give it. But if you take care of him, he says, you know what? If it costs more, that's okay. I'm willing to put in the extra effort. You see, that's what compassion does. These very, very simple points, a very simple thought, really just one long introduction of what it is to have compassion. See, I'm, sometimes you mention that word and people automatically say, you're a liberal. I think anybody that knows me knows, knows that's not your case, okay? You say that word compassion, and, and somebody says, well, you just don't preach against sin. No. Preach against sin. Hopefully I set the, the setting just, just right, okay? You say compassion, and people say, well, you just want to sit amongst the sinners. Well, I mean, the Bible does tell us to compel them to come in, to go and win them, to go and do thou likewise. What was Jesus telling him? He, said, he literally told him, go and do thou likewise. He didn't say, you know, walk right, you know, <laughs> only stay in the synagogues, get them there. No, go and do thou likewise. What's he saying? You might have to get in the ditch a little bit. Now, it goes without saying, I think there's been 2,000 Facebook posts about it. Jesus maybe sat with the sinners. He didn't sin with them. Okay, that isn't to say that you sin with them. Don't want to, anybody to, to uh, misrepresent what I'm, what I'm saying here tonight. But we are supposed to have compassion. If you're like me, the word cancel culture gets brought up and you automatically hate it. I hate it. I mean, we live in a world full of dummies. Be honest, <laughs> we do. But you know what? Sometimes we're the dummies too. Wonder how many times we've missed an opportunity to minister to somebody, to minister to somebody that maybe we're just not gonna like. You know, there's a good chance that the person that the Samaritan helped probably wouldn't have liked that person 
they would have met on normal circumstances. He says, you know what? He needs to be ministered to. He sees that need. We could look to, to, to the book of John, and when Jesus is deciding that he is supposed to go by way of Samaria, right? And, and the Bible says that he must need go through Samaria. They didn't understand why. They didn't want to. But why did he? There was a need there. There was a need there. You know, Brother Michael, I'm being honest, and we can have a conversation. It's fine. I think everybody else is falling asleep. You know, I don't want to be the person that goes on the college campuses. It's, it's tough to talk to those people. All I see on the news about college campuses is a bunch of liberal ideology. They hate God. They're taught to hate God and all those things. Good luck with that. Or maybe, how can I help you? Brother AJ, man, reformers unanimous. You know, one of the biggest issues in mid-America in those farm towns is meth. Oh, it's terrible. Almost every family that the Lord brought to our church had a relative in meth. It's terrible. Evil. It's tough. Alcoholics. It's tough. Good luck with that. Be a whole lot of people other people don't like. Or how can it help? Brother Jim and those teenage boys on the bus ministry, they rowdy. Be honest, they probably don't even like you very much. Good luck with that. Or maybe how could I help? Better you than me. Or, Lord, would you consider me for that? Don't sit that person in my row. Or, hey, could I be of help to you? I'm just speaking very freely. Do you want to have compassion? I mean, the very word Christian, that's one of the number one attributes. Having compassion. You might have to be willing to get dirty, to get bloodied, to even be willing to get disappointed. So oftentimes I think we think, Lord, please don't, please don't send me to those people. Please don't send me to deal with that problem. And why? Compassion versus cancel culture. You say, oh, no, 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 but they, I'm going to take the middle plane. Well, if you take the middle plane, you've already taken the cancel culture plane. 
just like many other things in Christianity. It's one or the other. You either have compassion or you don't. You say, Brother Daniel, I've been burned so many times before. It's like the person that says, well, I don't have any friends because all my other friends left. Well, maybe try to be friendlier. I don't know. No. It's work. But this is a summertime Wednesday night crowd. These are the people that put in the work. It's 8.15, normal quitting time. Okay, we're about to pray. I just, it's a thought that I had the other day. That cancel culture that we condemn, so oftentimes we actually practice. Instead of practice, practicing having compassion. Lord Jesus, thank you for everything you do for us. And, and Lord, I know I didn't.